Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Andrew McKenna from TalkSport. We're out in Sri Lanka covering the England Cricket Tour. As well as exclusive live ball-by-ball coverage of the Test Series, TalkSport are also giving you a podcast. It's published daily, it's called Following On, and covers all the news and views around the tour. It's full of player interviews, reaction and analysis from TalkSport's team of experts, including Darren Goff, Jared Kimber and Matt Pryor. Oh yeah, and also some of me. We'll be rounding up each day of action from the test matches, plus the news from all the other days on tour. You can subscribe now by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app. Search for the Following On Cricket Podcast, subscribe now, and never miss a show. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And welcome once again to the H&J Daily. Some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, you'll hear from us as always, but you're also here from a, a remarkable guy with a fantastic story. His name's Joe Thompson. He plays for Rochdale. He may not be on your football radar, but uh, he's written an amazing autobiography. It's a real um, human story. Yeah. Amazing reaction to it. Yeah. So I hope you, you all enjoy it. Yep, and uh, so here it all is. What have, we, what have you thrown away, Andy? Oh, no, no, that's right. You've got what you need. I've got what I need. Now, you were at a very exciting game last night, weren't you? Well, it was a very odd game, really, mm. because uh, <laughs> Derby were brilliant. I mean, really, and uh, excellent. But Chelsea were very mm. lucky to win the game. Yeah. They had three one-on-ones. They hit the post. Yeah, so I knew you hit the post, yeah, didn't they? At the they end. created much more than Chelsea created. Yeah, Chelsea had the ball. And they were, at, you know, to be fair, Chelsea were probably in second gear for most of the game. And I think did have an extra gear, but... Derby were excellent and uh, you know of course I want them to do, do well you know because Frank Lampard and I thought Chelsea were a bit complacent mm. oh wow and, and the, well, a lot of them were William Kovacic Kante they're strolling through the game here really quite strange Ruben Loftus-Cheek though he was Chelsea's best player by miles and uh, he's now played 220 minutes in six days in three different competitions so <clears> he'll be happy with that and he played really well so you know a lot of you know the narrative well, busting is, a myth in itself well the narrative maybe. is he's, he's never going to play and I'm not sure that's true because at the moment I think he's there's a couple of positions that he can double up for and I think he's ahead of Pedro and if Hazard's not bit 
unfit. He'll play in that position. I think is he improving with minutes? Can you see it? Is oh, he looking more yeah. confident? Of course. All the time? He, it's not really confidence. It's, it's about affecting the game. Mm. He's got so much ability, but there are times in the game where... Yeah, he does. He just disappears. He disappears a bit. Or he, <laughs> I think he was running alongside with Zappacost. He made such a strange run. He was like almost shadowing him. You think, no, yeah. don't run alongside him. That's no good. But I mean, two own things. goals. That was just bizarre, wasn't yeah. it? It was funny, though. This bloke behind me, I mean, he was playing on the... He was basically playing right wing, you know, mm. obviously from the start. And this bloke goes, after about 20 minutes, he goes, Rubin's playing right wing. You think, yeah, brilliant, mate. Well done. <laughs> it's only 20 minutes gone. Yeah. And uh, the guy I was with, it was quite disconcerting. Yeah. Really. He was a very nice man, uh, but he doesn't swear at all. You know when somebody doesn't swear at all? Oh, yeah. You all, it makes you more aware of... Makes you, does that make you swearier? What? Did you no, compensate? No, I didn't compensate. I just realised how much I do swear. Okay. You know, so Why at football? At football. Well, right. in general, but definitely like You do football. sit in near the possibly one of the swe- <laughs> sweariest men in the world. Yeah. Uh, Omid Jalili said, the guys you sit near, <laughs> one of them is the sweariest man he's ever met. <laughs> met. He's met some very sweary people, yeah, I think, Omid. So. And, uh, and then this other bloke came up to me and said... Uh, uh, my mate wants to advertise. It was Aggie, actually. He, said, he brings this bloke over to me. He says, my mate wants to advertise on Talk Sport. <laughs> yes. What do you want me to do about it? <laughs> Thanks. Yes. It's I like said, a local hero. <laughs> I, just, I just go and get our advertising manager and you come back in a different hat. Can I help you at all? That's a nice idea. Ridiculous. But now, yes. um, you haven't seen any other highlights, have you? No, I tried to find them, but they, they as you said, they were on the website. They weren't on actually the TV. Well, so. I, got, I, I think they might have been, but I, I got through them all. And uh, again, mm. I thought, referee, didn't it? Never a red card for the Blackpool player. I mean, really, it wasn't a straight mm. red. And it was the softest. I mean, that ref, I mean, he kind of went through, he puts a hand on the player. He made the most of it. But it was never a second yellow. It was some really odd decisions. It was, you know, it's a, mm. wasn't the finest performance from what I could see in the, the limited highlights I saw. Spurs got the job done. That was rather nice yes, from my point of view. Another, we're going to talk about this, aren't we? Another pitch in, invasion. Well, a couple of people came on. Yeah, the one wearing the screen mask. I thought it was Mike Riley at first. <laughs> It does. It does seem quite easy to go over that fence, doesn't it? Um, so Paul Jiggins was there last yeah. night. We'll, we'll get his thought. I know Perry Grove had some strong opinions on it today, and I tend to side with him as well. So we'll be chatting about that. Um, also, I've got, fan- right, I've got the right tea today. Yeah, that right. Okay, yeah, you've got your oh, right tea bags, haven't you? I. Um, We're going to be talking about hmm. um, the the uh, score of the fine goal. Lewis Wing, who scored for uh, Borough last night, young player coming through, very highly rated. Hmm. He was playing. Uh, uh, ninth tier until uh, last year for Shielden. We have to catch Good up with story, the people at Shielden today. Mm. But I think in Lewis Wing, if he does make it and gives a lot of money to a hospital, <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how they'll mark that. What will they call it? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. And uh, yes, just as we were talking about the Boca River, mm. and uh, Boca did get through. They, they were so it is top. now the Buenos Aires derby it's in, never in effectively the Super, Champions Super League Super Classico final. in the Copa Libertadores final. As you say, the Champions League final has never happened before in the history. So it's like Liverpool Everton in, in the Champions yeah. League final, effectively. Basically, yeah. yeah. Or Tottenham Arsenal or something yeah. like that. And uh, City United. Well, you get that. And other, that other derbies. The derbies are yeah. available. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like that. Yeah, like that. Well, right, that would Rangers be a big and deal Celtic here. meeting in the final of the Champions League. Yeah, that's and it. When's that going to happen? Well, <laughs> well, who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's a two-leg affair, but it's uh, they can't agree on uh, the actual dates at the moment because of security concerns. Oh, it's yeah. mental. And uh, the G8 meeting is going on at the same time in Buenos Aires. Oh, so it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be. It's a lot of strain on the police. Yes, yeah, it certainly <laughs> is.
That'd be well, I'd love you... to go. I think a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people on the Chelsea website sort of talking about it'd be on their bucket list. So I have put in a request for the management. I hold zero mm. hope that you and I will go out there for the game. <laughs> well, I think it's quite a tough sell. But I've put, I've put the request in. Okay, well, you couldn't do any more than that. Uh, Alan's been in touch. <laughs> he says, uh, the main question, everyone, is did Andy get his Japanese tea today? Yeah, you just said you did, didn't you? Yeah, you had to bring it in yourself, haven't you? Well, yeah, I did, actually. How much did it cost? Is it expensive? Is no, it expensive? expensive? Is your chocolate? Uh, no, no, no. I brought some of that for the hairy bikers because they like it. I bought them a bar each. That's oh, nice. That, amazing. That's a lovely what touch. What a crawler. Yeah. <laughs> but they were always very impressed with your chocolate. But they've done a load of weight, the pair of them. They might not want chocolate. They, they'll make it last. They'll make it last. You, know, yeah. you shouldn't have more than a square anyway. And I noticed this, this surprised me, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, a radiographer who was in charge at Worcestershire Royal Hospital in 2016 when delays were found in reporting the results of 35,000 scans yeah. has been named Midlands Radiographer of the Year by the Society of Radiographers. Who knew the radiographers had an award ceremony? Well, why so shouldn't they? If there's any subterfuge, you'd be able to see through it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, there we are. I mean, if you've got if there's any other awards, I remember once no, we it's went a strange awards ceremony. We went, yeah. we went to uh, the as we always do, the excellent uh, Football Writers Association when they announced the Football of the Year. And one year we were moved out of the main room of the of the Royal Lancaster oh, yeah. for the for the British Sandwich Awards. Yeah, well, and the winner is once again. Let me just open the envelope. <laughs> Cheese and tomato. <laughs> well done. Yeah, they're here to give the oh, award. Oh, talking of awards, we have been nominated for oh, we the have been, yeah. Football Supporters Federation Award. We're very yeah. grateful to them for that. It's very nice. Uh, along with another talk sports show, but I'm not going to give them any publicity. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've tweeted that I know it'll wind Max up completely. Um, so, yeah, um, Max is in there. Yeah, but don't well. vote for the boys him. He's so we... like desperately begging people to vote for him. He was yesterday on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. You but, don't want to be know, doing that. That's not, you know, much like the... We're temp- above that. Well, no, we're not. Much like <laughs> the Temptations, we ain't too proud to beg. Oh, I see. Okay. So, um, so, vote, so anyway, vote, vote. You know your vote counts. If you want to vote for us, you can. Good. Uh, we'll probably be steamrolled, as we usually are, but um, I think it's the fourth time we've been nominated. It's yeah. always lovely to be nominated. I'm yeah. a big fan of the I've, Football Supporters Federation. Have you really? Yes. Was that a tough, <laughs> tough cause? It? it was difficult, yeah. I voted for Max. <laughs> and I'd like to think he's voted for us. <laughs> He says he has. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Paul Hawksby and Jacobs uh, here on TalkSport. Uh, joining us in the studio now to chat about his autobiography is uh, two-time cancer survivor. This is an incredible story. Um, <coughs> Joe Thompson of uh, Rochdale. Good afternoon. Good to How see are you, man? You okay? Yeah. yeah okay, well, look, uh, good to see you looking so well because there are pictures in the book as you go through this process where obviously you, you're not looking like this you're really going through it. this is this kind of it's an amazing story it's not just the story of 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 you coming back from the, the terrible illnesses it's it, it's been an incredible life really it's been an event an eventful life hasn't it yeah no definitely I think I was always mindful of that when I said and sat down with the publishers and whatnot that I said like if we're going to do this book I need you to understand me as a person and why I'm like this. Mm. And I think the response that I've had from it, a lot of people have picked up on different things beside football and beside obviously coming back from cancer twice. A tough tough start. You kind of talk about that. Your your mum was bipolar. She was ill for quite a lot of the time. Your your dad at points was abusive towards her. He he had problems with with the law as well. So it was a bit of a tough upbringing. And then you had to, you moved from where you were living up to Rochdale, didn't you, to stay with your, your mum's folks? Yeah, no, exactly. And like you said there, um, my mum does suffer from bipolar. And, 
if you're around her, she's got an absolutely infectious personality and she's a wonderful woman to be around. But certain things, when it does happen in life, can rock her um, and kind of derail her. Um, and like I say, my dad's never been there. And I think me reading back the book, uh, it was something that I maybe needed to do because I had questions with him not being around, um, especially as a man and now as a, a father myself. Mm. So I needed to try and gain some sort of understanding um, of why he wasn't about, really. Did you? Did you? No, did, did I? Mm. Um, well, when I visited him in prison, we had two hours. Uh, I could have sat down and grilled him for 24 hours, but I got some kind of clarity. I got some um, answers that are probably 18 years too late. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've got no issues with him to a certain extent but I did realise and like I said speaking to the the book guys they were that was my life process in a way mm. and a learning curve from them reading and knowing my life do you think some of the things that happened to you earlier in your life kind of made you more able to, to battle mm. the disease when it came along you think you've, you've fair bit of adversity along the way yeah definitely and I think that's the beauty and the pain in a way um, it's not been easy for me and I understand that People are suffering from all kinds of adversity, uh, whether it be a split home, whether it be racism, whether it be whatever. Um, and I think, and I now know looking at it, that like you say, when it has come um, full circle and I've needed to draw upon everything I've been able to because of my life experiences beforehand. Mm. And you mentioned racism there. And then, was it Bath you were living in? Before? Yeah, yeah, mm. born so you, in Bath. Yeah. You went from Bath to Rochdale. Yeah. And you said that was a bit of a shock to the system, mm. some of the stuff you found yourself at sort of eight. It's quite a genteel place, Bath. Isn't wow. It? I mean, sort of eight, nine years old, kind of getting the sort of abuse that you were getting, some stick from people. It was, it was probably new to you and, and a bit of a shock to the system. It's definitely. It's quite, like I said, it's quite a liberal place and multicultural and you have so much tourism and... I never ever looked upon anybody differently. I was aware when I got to school that there was a handful of mixed race kids in the school and just in the area in general. So it was a bit of a shock to me and my brother yeah. uh, when we first touched down in Rochdale, but water off a duck's back. Yeah. <laughs> and football was a bit of a salvation for you, wasn't it? So when did you realise, when did you kind of people start to notice you as a footballer? As soon as I come to Rochdale and... And that had not been picked up in Bath at all. I suppose no, it's rugby country, isn't it? Yeah, really? it is. And I don't think I'd really found my sport. Mm. And I'm aware with my daughter now. I don't push her to do anything in particular. But mm. when she finds something that she really likes, like I found football, um, you do, you want to be accepted. You want to be a part of something. And for me, football was that breakthrough especially when I got to Rochdale it got me in with the gang as such and yeah I had a bit of like a credibility and people then started to look up to me and respect me in a way and Manchester United uh came calling mm. and you were you were there for a while and you were there the same sort of time as uh, Danny Welbeck Danny Drinkwater and Tom Heaton and, and yeah yeah Tom Cleverley and other players like that that was your kind of era yeah so it was I think my mum was always mindful when I signed for him that the likelihood of me making it all the way through the system to the first team was slim. Mm. Um, and it is, it's that one in a million, but you did feel like you had the golden ticket. Um, I would wear my tracksuit and my training gear as much as possible. And uh, I was proud. Um, but what I've learned is that they also did, they give you the best foundation possible to be a footballer. Mm. But they've also mm. taught me 
a lot as a man and you see when any time anybody talks about Alex Ferguson how much he honed in on other aspects I suppose of life as a man and I've had to draw on things like that I've learned I know for a fact that a lot of the stuff that Man United believe in and their ethos has helped me along the way. Did you have much to do with him? Because I mean, we'd imagine he was with the first no, team. No, it was with the first team. But you, you think about it back then, the first team were winning the treble. So yeah. it was like amazing. And it was the turnover from the cliff to um, Carrington. Mm. So everything was new. Everything was shiny. There was mm. a big deal with Nike. And it was, yeah, it was just an incre- incredible place to be around. And the names go on. It's, I'm so surprised now that how many are still in the football league. It was an, until last season and we played against Charlton on the last day of the season. Mm. Ben Amos was in there and I was like, the irony of that, like we'd been together at Man United and mm. um, it was just, you just see, there's just a sprinkling everywhere and yeah. you know, uh, they come from good stock in a way. Sure. Um, but you had that moment, didn't you? You come home from school one day and, and your mum's there and she has to break the bad news that, they're not going to take you on YTS. They're not. They're going to let you go, which which is tough as a young kid. It still is for all young kids who get rejected like that in football. Exactly, and you've hit the nail on the head there. It was tough to take. Um, fall from grace. I couldn't be at a better place, um, and I was lost. I really was lost, and I had to find myself in a way because that. It was my identity. I was Joe mm. Thompson around the way, plays for Man United. Uh, he's a good footballer, good lad. Do you know what I mean? But that was the sentence after it, and it, it gone. Yeah, um, they, but they thought you were too small, Joe, didn't they? I mean, that was they, they, the book says, or the the hand scan said that you weren't going to grow to a sufficient height. Here you are at six foot. Yeah, I know, <laughs> and it's one of them. But I was small at the time. I was mm. very, very slight, and I'd had the conversation a few times with the coaches that why I wasn't able to transfer my ability to game situations. And I did, I'd just become quite fragile and quite intimidated by the bigger lads. And I would say to any young pro, like, you'll do well to find someone that's not been released at some point, Mm. but it's how you bounce back. And that is the real message that I wanted to get across in my book as well, is that you will come across these life hurdles and speed bumps, but it's how you get over them. Sure. I'm always fascinated when clubs say about a player that he's too small. If you think the two greatest footballers, apart from Pele, the two greatest footballers of all time, one's five foot four and the other's five foot five. <laughs> no, but you've got to be some player, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to put myself on that pedestal. Um, and like I say, I was slight, I was small, and I've never been the most aggressive in a game situation. Um, and you have to learn that as you get into men's football to a certain extent. Yeah. But um, at that time, I was a bit small. She, you, you, you talk, talk about your mum in the book, and uh, she obviously, as you say, she had her health issues, but she was pretty wise, wasn't she? I mean, Liverpool came calling to potentially, but she felt you should maybe look a bit further down the footballing food chain, and that there was you get game time. So she it was like an agent spotting something like that, mm. wasn't she? Really? Yeah, I, mean, I know. And she's been my dad and my mum. That's usually the advice you'd get from your dad or. But she is, she's a very clever woman. Um, And like you say, wise is one thing she certainly is. And I think she felt at that time, even to a certain extent, she didn't want to even push me down playing football anymore because she saw how heartbroken I was. Mm. So it was, just start playing for the school team just to get your confidence back up and um, make yourself feel good again. Um, Because I'd not, 
played with the school team. I'd not played Sunday League through the five, six years that I was at Manchester United because I was either off playing yeah. tournaments or not allowed to play at all. But she knew that I loved football and I played it every day after school with my brother. Um, so she knew that I was heartbroken. Mm. But yeah, she, she probably did the right thing and made the right call. Well, that's the first act dealt with. This is the film, folks. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll move on to the second and third act and, and uh, the, the, the diagnosis that obviously rocked Joe's well. We'll talk to Joe Thompson uh, about his autobiography, Darkness and Light, and we'll talk more in a few moments' time. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Joe Thompson's with us in the studio. He's uh, in his autobiography, uh, Darkness and Light. And one thing we didn't even talk about in, in Joe's early life was a hit and run uh, involving his uh, brother, which uh, nearly killed him. So, I mean, that's another kind of tragic aspect to your your early life. Yeah, I know. And it's something that I can remember, like, vividly. Um, and I was only, what was I? I was nearly five mm. so that's one of my earliest memories and I remember the sound I remember turning around and he was even on the pavement um, and the car just come screeching around the corner five to nine on a school morning um, knocked him over and he was tiny and he was underneath the car and the car reversed and then went forward then reversed oh. and oh, then a little boy was appeared underneath it and there was blood everywhere and my mum was screaming and Wow. Obviously, I then had to run to the school and say what had happened, and it was just yeah, it was a nightmare. He's uh, your brother Ruben's. All he's, right fine. Now, he's, yeah, fine. he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. He's got the the scar, and yeah. I've got a few scars to match. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we've so, been to war a few times, but we come out. So you, we move on then, and uh, you, you kind of your first time working with Keith Hill at Rochdale. You then go on to Tranmere, and that's when you're first diagnosed with uh, cancer. So 
How did how did you know there was an issue? What was physically going wrong at that time? Um, I was ticking all the boxes. Uh, I was having like night sweats. I was very very fatigued and tired. Um, lack of energy to even train at times, but I was getting through it. Um, so certain sensations, you get like a shortness of breath. Uh, so one night I woke up and I felt like I was being strangled by I related to like feeling like a snake wrapping mm, around your neck wow. and it's different to a panic attack um so it was really quite petrifying at the time mm. and that you were were you diagnosed quite quickly after that yes mm. um a couple of weeks later some lumps popped up in my neck in my lymph nodes and i was sent for a biopsy and within the week i had the results back and i had hodgkin's lymphoma which is a cancer of my immune system. Mm. So uh just come out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. You were um I mean having cancer once is terrible enough, but one of the toughest things, uh I suppose, is thinking that you're clear of it. Mm. Uh and then discovering that it's back. I mean again, did you did you notice physical symptoms then that made you think, Oh no? No, the second time really caught me off guard. I was ill, like I say, the first time and Telltale signs, but the second time I was flying, I was playing, I was feeling strong, got back on my feet, um, and it was just a routine scan that I had to have two and a half, three years after being put into remission, uh, because I put myself forward for like a trial. So yeah. it was just a bit of research, and thankfully for me, I can say that now that um, the scan detected there was a tumor on my chest, and it was showing signs of growth. Um, so I continued playing football for three or four months while I awaited the strategy in a way mm. and what we were going to put in place to get over it um, and then I just got an infection and when you do get an infection and you're suffering from cancer it wipes you out Yeah. Mm. Um, so that was when I decided at football that I was going to knock it on the head and speak to the doctors and they then wanted me to have some treatment as soon as possible. You started to do some early work on the book uh, when you were already in the hospital. I mean, mm -hmm. you just said to us off air that because you just thought, you know, I want kind of some record of this. I want the family to know the way I'm feeling now because I may not be here. Yeah, and that is, that's a, um, a tough sentence to, to say in a way. Um, but I was always positive that I was going to get over it, but there's always something in the back of your mind that tells you, well... You never thought you was going to have cancer once, never mind twice. So mm. you've got to put things into perspective here. So I did. I started writing down kind of daily notes of where I was at and what I was thinking about. And it was going to be just in case if they ever wanted to read back of where I was or what I was thinking about, even more so for maybe for my daughter, because I was quite open with my wife about the whole situation mm. um, and open with my brother and my mum yeah. because I felt like I needed to be honest at that time but it was just in case that um, I never got to say certain things mm. to my daughter really. The 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 stem cell treatment is, it has to be really for it to work, is pretty brutal. They destroy your immune system effectively yeah. and you're just wiped out. You can't be near family for a while, can mm -hmm. you? Because they could give you an infection and, and that yeah. could kill you. So that's a really sort of tough treatment to go did you think at any point I'm done with football I can't come back with this because at a physically low ebb it, it must have been hard to feel you could ever play football again football was a million miles away mm. um, and it was literally 
let me sort this out at this point. So let me sort myself out. So uh, you, like you say, you get put in isolation and you're going to be in for four to six weeks, they say. Uh, thankfully for me, I managed to turn it around and get out after 18 days, which the doctors were quite amazed by and impressed. Mm-hmm. But it was tough. If, as no one's ever really told you to go stay in a room, then get your immune system wiped out, made to feel awful, uh, violently sick, hallucinating, um, and just finding yourself in all sorts of state, uh, shivering. I can um, try to like compare it to maybe like cold turkey in a way, mm. um, and it was just a nightmare. It really did. You have so much time to think. So you overthink and you start to worry and play certain scenarios over in your head. So football for me was it was on the back burner. It was just literally let me get myself home yeah. as soon as possible. Mm. But I suppose as you got better and you started yeah. to get better, it mm. became a goal. It became a, an, another it. reason didn't there it, it to work yourself. The out. carrots like mm. starts to get dangled, and it was a case of I could barely walk when I first came out. Um, so it was when I got home, it was do you want to go to the end of the lane? And we just turn back around. I said, well, okay. Then you start practicing getting up and down the stairs on your own and start to build up your muscles and just the simple things that they say to like the older generation, get up off the chair hmm. 20 times. It's a times. long way back though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, incredible. And I didn't know how long it was going to be, um, but I was just going to run my race and try and get back yeah. as soon as possible. I know you're not happy with the way it ended at, at Tranmere, which you kind of felt they could have told you at your face. It kind of ended with a with a letter. But, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. your, your relationship with Rochdale's, you've, you've gone back there a couple of times, and yeah. you, it's a very strong one, and they were very supportive throughout, weren't they? No, like, the footballing world was absolutely incredible both times, and it was quite overwhelming, the amount of messages that I got from everybody. Uh, but Rochdale, for me, um, have really stuck by me, and... Um, like I say, credit to everyone associated with the club. The fans have been amazing. They were always sending me messages and just keep filling me up. And I tried to be in contact with as much as possible and get back to as many as possible. But there was literally hundreds and thousands of mm. messages. And it just made you feel that I was doing something worthwhile for other people as well. Because people do share their stories and they would also tell me about people that have gotten over it twice and that for me would like really like lift my spirits in mm, a way. Of course. And the we should say that you get on the pitch at Wembley uh to play against Spurs for Rochdale, you get a bit of game time there in the snow, don't you? So you I'm sure when you ran on at Wembley, I know you had a chat with Potch and you spoke to Pep as well. And they'd yeah. be so it must have been a bit fairly surreal after everything you've gone through to be running out of Wembley Stadium. Yeah, the 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 dream had kind of left me. Um and I it was yeah, it was incredible, um, and we did. We went down, and it was snowing, and we were getting beat four-one. But I remember Keithill said to me on the touchline, he was like, "Let's just go on and be that kid again, because if there's anyone that deserves a little run out at Wembley, it's you." Um, and I did. It was just have a run around in the snow yeah. and have a play <laughs> against some unbelievable players, mm. and they was uh, they were frightening that night. Um, it didn't help that they were playing in white shirts in the snow and they seemed to be everywhere. <laughs> that, that was the reason. That's what it was. That's why the goals went in. But that's not where that's not where it ends. It's the most amazing thing no. is. So um, you're playing basically for Rochdale 
to stay up. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you'll be uh, relegated. And um, you scored the winner that kept him up. Yeah, 1 0. Um, <laughs> come on after 65 minutes and four or five minutes later, first couple of touches, right then left, swinger. Um, and yeah, just buried it, put it in the corner. Um, incredible. For me, that was like um, reaching the mountaintop. Um, people that have goals and ambitions and dreams that they want to do. And if you'd have told me that, what was it, 10 months before when I was literally crawling out of the hospital, I would have never, ever believed you. And I, um, I'm truly blessed and thankful for everyone that's helped me along the way. Um, there's a lot of people that have been patient with me and listened to me, mm. um, especially at the club. And for me, that was like the perfect gift and reward because, um, yeah, I'd contributed as much as I could and I'd given everything in training and behind closed doors. There was so much work that I had to do to even just get out on the pitch. And for me to do that that day was unbelievable. Yeah, It strikes me that your fitness, that you had your inherent fitness and your sense of humour have helped a lot with this. Yeah, I've, I would say I'm conditioned to survive. And <laughs> when uh, my back's against the wall, I know what to do. I come out swinging, I come out fighting. And that was the um, kind of the main message from the book, really, hmm. is that when you are cornered or when you do feel down, try and find what motivates you and uh, what inspires you and run with it because you can. You can achieve whatever you want if you put your mind to it. Um, it's never going to be easy, like you say. And it was tough and there was days when I doubted it and I would break down and get quite upset. But um, yeah, thankfully I'm here today and I'm, like I say, I'm truly blessed to have a wonderful family and support around me. Brilliant. Brilliant. You're still at the club. You're injured at the moment, but you'll hopefully be back soon and playing again. That's the plan. That's the plan. Brilliant. We've had a lot. Great response. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Lovely to meet you. Yeah, no, great to meet you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for looking after me, And, guys. Uh, yeah, a lot of love for you. All wishing you the very best. I mean, there's so many messages we've had today, so I'm, I'm sure you'll see those uh, on uh, Twitter as well. But, look, great to see you. And uh, continue success and stay healthy. Yeah. We wish you well with the book. No, thank you very much, guys. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Uh, they're playing the Palladium. Blimey. What a great oh, gig. Yeah. So we're going to be I, having a... I've played the Palladium. Have you? Yeah. Do you not know that? No. Oh, I introduced. I had this. I had this gig when I was in the fashion business. Was I? It was a good gig. This. I'd introduce this woman. Put on fashion conferences. So she'd invite loads of designers. Oh yeah. And they'd give talks to fashion students and people who were very interested in fashion. And they needed somebody in the fashion business who could link it. And so I went to New York. I did them, and then I, they did one at the Palladium. And so, I, ladies and gentlemen, here she is. And you yeah. do all that, wouldn't you? Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, here, she, here he is, Giorgio Armani. That's right. what I did. Did you actually say was he there? One of them? No, he didn't turn up. <laughs> <laughs> here he isn't, Giorgio Armani. Yeah. he'd love to be here, but he isn't. He couldn't. So there couldn't you be go. Bothered. <laughs> couldn't be bothered. Here he is, Mr. Byright. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> never met. He's like Banksy. We never met Mr. Byright. What was he like? I've no idea. He was. And it was yeah. a tremendous. Honestly, I went backstage at the Palladium, and I thought, "Good God, as I trod the boards, well, they've thought, all Brucey. They've all been there. Brucey, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, they've, they've all. Yeah. They've Sammy all, Davis. That's right. And yeah. Andy Jacobs. Andy just Jacobs. some of the top names. So that's what, yeah, I'm very proud boards, to be able to yeah. say that I have played the Palladium. All right. Well, well that's great. The, the hairy bikers can kind of feed into your experience of that then, because <laughs> they've got it coming up. Yeah, um, we're going to find out uh, more about Lewis when you got the goal last night. 
yeah. for uh, Borough, a very good goal as well. He was playing ninth tier football only last year, so it's mm. some rise to fame. We'll speak to his old gaffer. Um, yeah, great reaction from you uh, to uh, our chat with uh, with Joe Thompson, uh, an amazing fellow. And Lovely just chatting guy. to him afterwards, he's mm. coming back. His hamstring has gone for a second time, unfortunately. He's trying to come back with a hamstring injury. But, of course, after all the treatment, uh, it takes a lot longer for the, the muscles to re- repair than it did before. But, you know, he's pretty stoic about it all. He's, you know, yeah. He said after everything that's hand. gone on, you know, he's not going to beat himself up over that, although he wants to be playing again. But, he's just uh, got a great attitude to yeah. life, which I'm sure has really, which I'm really stood him in good yeah, stead. must have done, yeah. Uh, I was reading about a very good piece in the Sun this morning about uh, Forest Green. There's been a lot of stuff about Forest Green and mm. their eco club and, and Dale, the guy that runs it and all this. But uh, this bit caught my imagination. The grass is cut by a 10,500-pound GPS navigation MOBOT. Yeah. And anything to do with Mo a solar-powered robot lawnmower which doesn't use fuel. Head groundsman Adam Witchell can sleep soundly at night knowing the pitch is being looked after. The mobot routinely texts him with updates. But this is the bit. He explained, once my phone started bleeping at 2.30am. It kept waking me up. My partner elbowed me aggressively in the midwife. In the midwife? In the midwife. Not in the midwife. In the midriff. <laughs> elbowed me aggressively in the midwife. <laughs> yes. She happened to be sharing the bed with us. In the midriff. And said, who's this messaging you at this time? Wow. I said it was the robot. We argued until 6 a.m. Eventually, she believed me. Shorty just showed her the text straight away. Said, look, it's, it's a the lawnmower saying... Pitches being well cut or something like yeah. that. I mean, you know. That's bizarre. <laughs> Strange. I don't know how they argue for three and a half hours when, you know. Now, but there you go. when we were over we'll in Russia in St. Petersburg, we uh, we popped along to the Zenit offices. I've been keeping an eye on, uh, on our Zenit fair. Oh, yeah. How, how are the they season. doing? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just kind of uh, keeping an eye on. To the, one of their players, they've got a Portuguese player there called uh, Neto. I don't know how he likes to get his wages <laughs> exactly, paid. Yeah. I've got absolutely no, <laughs> no idea. idea yeah. uh, Grosso or Neto. But, um, <laughs> there is a Fabian Grosso, isn't there? I think there yeah, it could well <laughs> yeah, be. Yeah. But um, <laughs> some way, there was a thing to ask Neto, questions that uh, oh. Zenit fans could, uh, oh, could yeah. ask Neto. Hashtag mm. ask Neto the other day. Yeah. And uh, some wag called Matt went on and said, ask Neto, who's your favourite character in the bill? Mine's Des Taverner. <laughs> so that would be the sort of normal throwaway. Yeah. The only difference, of course, is we know having Did he met... he say Tosh Lines? <laughs> well, having met Mark, of course, who's involved at uh, yeah. Zenit, who does their Zenit in English website, looks mm. after the website for them. Old Matt, who thought he was being smart, trying to catch a Portuguese bloke out in Russia mm. with knowledge of the bill, gets this back oh, yeah. from... Uh, we asked him at training today. He said PC Tony Stamp was his favourite, closely followed by Tosh Lines, Reg Hollis, and DCI Burnside. For hashtag ask. So, of course, the English connection there, a knowledge of old uh, 80s and 90s Bill, um, it meant Matt didn't get the uh, the laugh he thought he would get. He, so was, there we he are. was a top bloke. The bloke, I should look him up to do, do justice. But he, he, the guy that plays PC Tony Stamp is a really oh yeah lovely. Graham Cole. Yeah. Graham Cole is a lovely. Yeah. Oh Graham Cole. Cole, he's been to see us. Yeah, he? yeah, of course. Uh, I, I play cricket with him and yeah. uh, a couple of times. And when he goes into bat, he wears the policeman's helmet. Nice, which is quite a nice touch, really. But uh, yeah, you think well, you know, I th- after a while, you think well, I don't know, you might get a bit typecast doing that. Really. But, yeah. <laughs> I never quite understood it, really. Typecast doing that, yeah, yeah. Uh, And there was a great photo in the... You're aware of Sol Campbell's issue with his trousers the other day. Are you aware of this, Andy? Sol Campbell's trousers? Sol Campbell... Oh, um, yeah, this is... Talk about first world problems. He contacted Dolce & Gabbana, and he's a bit worried they couldn't sort his trousers out. (laughs) 
I think really it's, it's put everything in perspective for me. Yeah. Um, he said he would have expected more from them. I don't know if they've kind of... They, they... He, did, he did that terrible thing that famous people do, which is sort of... A lot of people do, but it works better if you're famous. Yeah. Is that you go and shame the person publicly on Twitter. Yeah. You sort of at them in your tweet. Yeah. So everybody sees that. They, they rush straight around your house and repair your trousers. trousers. But you think just... I, I did think to myself, that is a real first world problem. Your trousers <laughs> think, from Dolce and Gabbana. I think really. that's fair enough, yeah. Uh, a lovely photo this morning in the uh, in the star which mm. caught my eye of Rory McIlroy wearing a safety helmet it's a very strange photo yeah, it? yeah, it's yeah. mocked up but the story is uh, it's their words I wouldn't say this but snowflakes want golf stars to wear helmets right. after a study showed the sport was more dangerous than boxing Surely you mean to the spectators, not, not the players. It can't be more dangerous. I can't imagine more people have been injured playing golf than have been boxing or rugby. That seems strange, that, doesn't it? It's quite, it can be quite dangerous, can't it, if you're playing a bit of golf and you, you don't get the well, shout if, if of four? Well, yes, but if you're too near the person that's on the back swing or somebody lets go of the yeah. club, that's not the same as being, you know... Run into at sort of twenty five miles an hour by a bloke that's about seventeen stone. No, I, I, I take your point, Andy. I, I would I mean, say that would be more dangerous. You may well be right. Who knows? Uh, do you have uh, anything else for oh, us? I've always got. I've always got something. Well, I know you want to. Britain's oldest go. tennis player. Mm. Have you seen this? Britain's no. oldest tennis player. He's eighty five year old bloke, is he? Well, <laughs> yeah, well, he's not going to be seventeen. Is what he? is he? He's ninety one. Oh, okay. But his name's Kevin Court, which is quite good, isn't it? Really? Well, why is it? Court. Oh, court. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, 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 I should have got that a whole lot. Talking quicker. of old, yeah. uh, we might do this tomorrow, but Hulk Hogan is to make a return. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. So I asked your granddad. Yes, exactly. Yeah. To make a return is to make a return to the ring. He is. Which I'm finding absolutely amazing because when we met him about three years ago, he, he couldn't, couldn't even get to the door he of the couldn't, studio. He couldn't straighten up. It had taken its toll on old yeah, Hulk. So he's, really he's, been he's obviously around. made a bit of a comeback there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, I, don't, I mean, I think... 65. I imagine it'll go off around him. I don't think he's going to be sort of, you know, whacking people with tea trays, is he? I mean, it's all going to be... I imagine it'll, <laughs> it'll be quite sedate. You reckon, dude? Yeah, well, like, he can't, you know, he can't, for goodness no, I sake. I agree with you. We saw the toll it took on his body. Really. Mm. There's only so much he can do. It's anyway, true. we mm. are going to discuss that because it's been quite controversial. Uh, it's in Saudi, isn't Saudi it? Saudi Arabia, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, just a couple of things. Um, we spoke earlier on, didn't we, to uh, Jessica Bruce, who does the marathon, uh, the buggy marathons, mm. and he's a world record holder along with her husband. And uh, Donna said, uh, Jessica, the buggy marathon runner you just interviewed, passed me three times in a three-loop park run. I was only on lap two. Oh. I've not been back since. Oh, don't, don't let that put you off. She, she's a proper marathon runner, oh. Donna. You've got to keep doing it. If I, if I took that attitude, I'd never run. Because as I said the other week on the show, I've, I've never passed anybody, but I've been passed by all manner of people, all ages. <laughs> Actually did after that, did pass one bloke who was incredibly slow. Did you lord it over oh, him? I strutted past him. I really? Just give him, him a dirty look, tutted. I gave him the old afterburners. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I tell you what I do like doing then. I've still got, even though for a bloke of my age, you know when you come out of the ground at football? Oh, yeah. It's very crowded. Yeah. You know, and the, it, not just the pavements, the roads, everything. Yeah. All, especially last night because Fulham Broadway Station was closed. Oh, my. So everybody was going to Earl's Court. And I do like a kind of, it's almost like being a, a rugby player on American football. I see a gap and then I sprint through Are it. Oh, you, you, yeah? Oh, I love doing that. I love it sort of like swerving. and do, I've still got it. I've still, got, got, well, you, still you, got that bit. Do you dip the shoulder? Well, a bit like an American football running back. You can't just go full out. You've got to sort of look for the space, look for the block, oh, and dear. then you're through. 
It's really odd. There's no greater fan of Andy Jacobs than Andy Jacobs I've learned over the years. When it really matters, no. That's <laughs> very harsh. I've I'm still one... got it. I can dip the shoulder. Dip. Well, I'm like know, a running I'm back. Honest. I'm honest. I'm like a, a running back no, no, in American football. I'm the football. first person to say how terrible I am at many, many things. So if I'm good at something, but I, I love well it. Admit I've always, it. You don't talk yourself up much, but when you do, you really talk well, yourself up. Well, that's because up. it's it's true. <laughs> it's because I'm an incredibly honest person. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I that's, am. You are. There we are. Um, yeah, Joe Thompson's story. That's amazing, isn't it? And uh, What a lovely guy, too. He, yeah, and he, he, I think you were right when you were saying his positive attitude towards it uh, and his obviously his physical fitness really helped him through that. You know, yeah, if he was, definitely. Anybody else may not have come through it in quite the same way, but amazing guy, and we wish him well with a book and obviously continued success as a footballer. We will catch up with you tomorrow. The boys from Football Manager will be in. Don't forget the Football Supporters Federation have uh, shortlisted us, shortlisted, shortlisted us, <laughs> shortlisted us for an award, I like a radio show of the year. So if you go along to, uh, I think it's fsf.org, isn't it? Yeah. And click on their awards, you can vote for us. Vote for us. Yeah. We can, you know, we've never won anything in our lives. It might be quite nice. Well, look, we're old in our breath. It's about the fourth time we've been uh, nominated, and it's very good yeah. of them to do that. We, yeah. we do, they're a fine organisation. But uh, maybe the, maybe things could change with your help. Oh, it's on Twitter as well. It's on Twitter, right, yeah. yeah. You can go along on uh, yes. Twitter. You can check out at TSH&J. Anyway, we'll catch up with you tomorrow to talk football manager, clips of the week, Martin Kellner, etc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.